after these messages will be right back. I can't believe I ate that whole thing. Are you in good hands? And now, a word from our sponsors. Hey everybody, welcome to After These Messages, the podcast where we talk about commercials. We talk about the good ones, we talk about the bad ones, and we talk about the ones where people say weird shit like this. My, where did you get that lovely spatula? My name is Andrew Walsh, I'm here with Genevieve Has. Hey Genevieve. Hi Andrew. And um, that was a little, that was a little cheaty. That was a little cheaty. That little clip of tape I played, not from a real commercial. That's right. We're talking today about commercials that are from movies, uh, parody commercials in a sense, but not the parody commercials that you think of on SNL, and not even the parody commercials that you might see in a Ghostbusters, uh, where they're kind of advertising their own services. It's more about those commercials that appear in movies, you see them in sci-fi a lot, that are part of a world building, part of making the world of the, of the movie, the universe of the movie, feel real and complete, and telling you something about that world. Uh, RoboCop being probably the prime example. We'll get into a bunch of examples. Mm-hmm. Yes, RoboCop really uh, kind of set the bar for this segment. More on that in a second. Plus, coming up in the show, paging Dr. Spaceman. Yes, it's normal, but no more than four times a day. That is the voice of Chris Parnell, a.k.a. Dr. Spaceman on 30 Rock. Really, his name is... Dr. Spachemin, but you get it. He's also the voice of Cyril on Archer. He's one of our favorite voiceover actors, and it turns out he's basically in every commercial ever if you stop to pay attention. If you're buying it, he's selling it. <laughs> Which we did. So uh, we will go through some of our favorite Chris Parnell commercials, plus tons of emails in the ad council today, Vives. Lots of them. Uh, I think some of them weighing in on that Infinity commercial, right? That's that we talked right. about last week. There's a commercial where it seems like a gay man is coming out to his conservative father, but it turns out he just drives a different he's, luxury he's car. He's just committing than his dad. the unpardonable sin of getting a different luxury car. Right. So I got on my, uh, we, we both sort of did, me especially, kind of got on our PC soapbox about that last week. And uh, we've heard some, from some people uh, with a response to our response. But first, let's get going here with some of these fake commercials from the silver screen. Red alert. Red alert. Red alert. You crossed my line of death. You haven't dismantled your MX stockpile. Pakistan is threatening my border. That's it, Buster. No more military aid. Nuke them. Get them before they get you. Another quality home game from Butler Brothers. That, I would say, is the platonic ideal of the type of commercial that we are talking about today. And as I mentioned, that is from the movie RoboCop. I agree. I think that's exactly what we think of when we think of these kind of world-building commercials. They, An ad that tells you something about the world in which the movie is happening. It also uh, tells you a lot about the world in which that movie was made, which was kind of this 80s. It was all the commercials Mm -hmm. and things and and a a lot of what that movie is responding to is uh, kind of the fear, the Cold War fear of the 80s, the uh, like Reagan's rhetoric, uh, the the threat of nuclear annihilation. um, And for it to be turned, I love the conflation of like the battleship like the the fun the yeah, family it's playing basically battleship, basically a parody of Battleship, right? With like total nuclear uh, meltdown, uh, you know, just horrifying violence or horrifying destruction. And I also like the way the father in that is like for reals mad. Yeah, no, he is he is very into this game. Yeah, yeah, like they're everybody. The family is like just a notch too aggressive. Um, 
and it that's what to me is so great about it like that everybody in robocop is turned up to 11 all the time right. because detroit is you know super effed up <laughs> right you know you describing why that commercial works that it doesn't just speak to the universe of the movie but it also speaks to the era in which that movie was made like that's kind of what the best sci-fi does both you know on you know on tv and in movies and in books but i mean that's kind of the that's the overriding principle of the best sci-fi right it's like usually futuristic but it speaks to the era in which it's written you know whether you're talking about I don't know, whatever, uh, who's the most famous sci-fi writer from the 60s? Like Heinlein or right. Asimov. I mean, uh, Heinlein was was the guy who wrote the book that another, that's a Paul Verhoeven movie. And Paul Verhoeven is like the patron saint of these kind of commercials. Yes. He, he uses this stuff in all three of his big movies, Robocop, Total Recall, and Starship Troopers. Uh, and Starship Troopers actually is based on a Heinlein book. Oh, it is. I think so. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. There's another. You're absolutely right about Paul Verhoeven. Um, let's play some from more of his movies. Let's stick with RoboCop for a second here. I actually don't remember this one. This one did not stand out to me. I haven't seen this movie in years, and I didn't remember this one until you sent it to me. Is it time for that big operation? This may be the most important decision of your life. So come down and talk to one of our qualified surgeons. Here at the Family Heart Center, we feature the complete Jarvik line. Series 7 Sports Heart by Jensen. <laughs> Yamaha, you pick the heart. Extended warranties, financing, qualifies for health tax credit. And remember, we care. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> there are a couple of others in that movie as well. I don't think we're going to play them. They're very visual, but there's one for a um, – do you remember what it's called? It's The, the uh, Car Security. The Car Security Magnavolt. one. Magnavolt, right. And it's very visual. It, but Somebody breaks into your car. He sits <laughs> down, and as soon as he grasps the steering wheel, uh, bands, metal bands – lock him in place and then he's electrocuted to death and then mm -hmm. the spokesman shows up and says something like that's uh this is the number one name in auto security today no muss no fuss don't worry about calling the cops and then he just pushes the dead electrocuted body yeah, out of right, the car and right. drives off and he says something on the he says something along the lines of and it doesn't even affect your car battery that's and, right. and, and it won't off. drain your car battery and it won't drain your car battery as a matter of fact i know i said i wasn't gonna do this let me see if i can skip just to the part where the uh, spokesman comes in after this thief has been fried trying to hotwire this car magnavolt the final word in auto security no embarrassing alarm noise no need to trouble the police and it won't even run down your battery and again, that's the perfect commercial for us for what we're talking about here because it's not a commercial for a robot police officer. Right. You know what I mean? It's not for the actual product that is the main point of the movie, but it does give you this feel of kind of like we are talking about a future and a specific city in the future where things have gotten bad yeah. <laughs> as far as crime is concerned and people are taking things into their own hands. I think it's such great world building. I think uh, Paul Verhoeven, uh, I think he's beloved by sci-fi nerds, but I don't know that he gets his due, honestly, from... from uh, the world at large like his these three movies are not flawless movies for sure um and i don't think they necessarily going to win any acting uh, academy awards <laughs> yeah. but they really all do something satirical and kind of dark yeah and of course this wouldn't be after these messages unless we set up a really 
long-winded Byzantine set of rules only to break them almost immediately sure. because <laughs> I want to stick with this Verhoeven thing. Um, Total Recall, as you mentioned, uh, one of probably his most famous. Uh, I think so, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, I guess all three of these Robo are kind Cop of is super yeah, famous. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Starship Troopers is probably the um, the goat of the three. But he definitely loves this, um, this trope of the, these fake commercials in his movies. Now, here's the one for the product that is called Recall, spelled with a K and two L's, from the movie Total Recall. Would you like to ski Antarctica? And you're snowed under with work? Do you dream of a vacation at the bottom of the ocean? But you can't float the bill? Have you always wanted to climb the mountains of Mars? But now you're over the hill? Then come to Recall Incorporated, where you can buy the memory of your ideal vacation cheaper, safer, and better than the real thing. So don't let life pass you by. Call Recall for the memory of a lifetime. I love that um, that jingle at the end. You know what that commercial, I don't know if this other one is in our list um, today, but there is a commercial that I think is the perfect bookend for that, which is the Lacuna uh, ad for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Oh, yeah. Where it's almost, it's very similar in sort of tone and feel, but it's doing the opposite, right? It's removing memories oh, instead yeah. of adding memories. That's a good point. All right. Again, I know it doesn't really uh, fit our rules, but let's just take a listen to that since you brought it up. You're right. They're, they're like kind of, I mean, two sides of the same coin, maybe? Yeah. Remember the Alamo. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. But why remember a destructive love affair? Here at Lacuna, we have perfected a safe, effective technique for the focused erasure of troubling memories. Our patented non-surgical procedure will rid you of painful memories and allow you a new and lasting peace of mind you never imagined possible. Don't forget, with Lacuna, you can forget. <laughs> <laughs> Good tagline there. You know, something interesting, This just to... Uh go back to Total Recall for a minute, and this is a, a spoiler of the plot, so if you haven't seen it... Um, there is a woman with three breasts. <laughs> yes, that's true. Um, the, I don't know, it's a spoiler for the ending, so if you don't want to know, then turn this off now. But um, the the way the movie ends, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's character, uh, you know, he has gotten his memory back, supposedly, and is free to be with his uh, with his girlfriend on the planet Mars, having restored the atmosphere to it. Um, but another read, another way to read that movie is that everything after the first twenty minutes is actually just in his head that he's oh. been sort of lobotomized in the Total Recall in a, in an accident in the Total Recall chair, getting this procedure done. And actually, uh, I was reading about this uh, because I was reading about Verhoeven's uh, fake advertising. And in the DVD commentary of Total Recall, Paul Verhoeven says that the correct read is the read that uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's character is lobotomized in a Total Recall chair and that it's all in his head. So I don't remember the end that well. Is it is it left a little ambiguous? Well, not as much as like, let's say, Blade Runner or something mm-hmm. or like the, the original cut of Blade Runner Uh or it's not as let's say it's not as ambiguous as Inception. Okay, yeah. Um, but he uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and his girlfriend uh, are like walking 
around Mars and they, he says something to the effect of let's just enjoy this while we can in case it's all a dream. Oh. So, and I'm, I'm butchering whatever he actually says. It's something kind of like that, I think. Um, but it is, I think there is a, a whisper of it being potentially just in his head, but it's not, it's not spelled out and you're, you're more or less left to think that they are, you know, living, mm. living on Mars. And of course now that's a, uh, based on a book or I think a short story by Philip K. Dick. Maybe yeah. it's like a novella or something. I actually read that, but again, pointless information because I don't remember it that well. <laughs> um, by the way, Philip K. Dick is the, uh, the 1960s sci-fi, <laughs> epitome sci-fi author I was trying to think of before. Should we play the Starship Troopers one or? I think it's sure. great. Yeah. This is a, this is kind of a propaganda film from Starship Troopers again, uh, from the Verhoeven canon. Uh, and it's so spot on propaganda. And he spoke, he talked about that in an interview actually, uh, and said that it's specifically a reference to, uh, Lainey Riefenstahl's, uh, triumph of the will Nazi propaganda videos, which you'll, I mean, it's, it's a extremely overt, you know, sort of uh, nod to that. That's right. I always forget this. And I think every time this comes on TV, you re-explain it to me that (laughs) (laughs) Starship Troopers is a movie that kind of imagines, the world through the if if one of these groups represents the Nazis, it's actually the people that yes. you're rooting for, and the alien creatures they're fighting would yeah, represent the innocents. It's kind of subversive because the movie invites you to take the part of the what are clearly the fascists. I mean, their clothing, their Aryan ideal looks, their propensity for violence. It's all mm-hmm. it's all very clear, but but the movie only allows you to kind of take the take the side of or it only gives you the side of the the fascist so mm-hmm. it's i think it's interesting and, and of course by making the other side literally horrifying monsters right. that helps as well exactly so here's the propaganda video young people from all over the globe are joining up to fight for the future i'm doing my part i'm doing my part i'm doing my part i'm doing my part too they're doing their part are you join the mobile infantry and save the world service guarantees citizenship it's very like 1940s newsreel style it's all futuristically presented but uh this it's structured the way uh newsreels were done in the 40s now let's move on to a comedy um one of I don't know. I think it's one of our favorite movies. Tropic Thunder, one of our favorite comedies. Yeah, solid. Very solid. Do we solid. need to keep on parsing? It's one of our favorite comedy movies <laughs> from the early to mid-2000s. Um, Tropic Thunder, of course, it's a very meta movie, and it has a bunch of big-name, real big-name actors in it, but they are portraying other big-name actors within their universe. And so throughout the movie, you see commercials for the films that these people would star in, or you see trailers. Yeah, for the and movies I don't think it's these... actually throughout the movie. It, it all is. Oh, front, it all it's the all front loaded. Okay. Yeah, there there are references to a few of those things later on. Um, so they do sort of set up some jokes later in the movie. Well, by far the best one, and I think the best part of this movie. And there are so many good parts of this movie, but I think the best part of this movie happens within the first couple of minutes, where you see a trailer for a fake movie called. Satan's Alley, and it stars Kirk Lazarus, who is the character being played by uh, Robert Downey Robert Jr. D- Downey Jr. Um, but it also has Toby Maguire playing himself. Yes, and 
I guess for setup, if you haven't seen this, it takes place in some sort of a, a, a monk order. Of monastery. Some, or like a monastery or an abbey or something. What's the difference between a monastery and an abbey? Well, monasteries where monks live and an abbey is where nuns live. Okay, so let's call it a monastery then. Yep. Let's just go with let's that. Let's go with that. You want to retake this or just leave it in? I think that's really your. It's really a you call. <laughs> you know, we'll just cut this whole thing out, okay. and nobody will even know that we talked about it. So, <laughs> anyway, it, it's really great. Here's a trailer for the movie Satan's Alley. In a time where to be different was to be condemned. These two monks are making eyes at each other. Yeah, no, the the, the pregnant pauses and, and longing to be looks. Condemned was to die. One man chose to question his god. <laughs> From Fox Searchlight. RDJ, right? He is just the best. Five-time Academy Award winner Kirk Lazarus. And MTV Movie Award Best Kiss winner Tobey Maguire. the Beijing Film Festival's coveted Crying Monkey Award, <laughs> Satan's Alley. I know that's very visual, but I also think the audio is absolutely dead on. That voice, the in a world guy, <laughs> the coveted Crying Monkey Award, the way that um, uh, Robert Downey Jr. spends the entire movie of Tropic Thunder... Well, really, he's he spends it in a lot of different ways, but that Kirk Lazarus character is taking the piss on Russell Crowe so hard. You know, he's Australian. He's like ultra serious actor. Um, it is just note perfect, and it is so funny. The Crying Monkey Award gets me every time. <laughs> I know. I watched that five times a day, but it actually might even get funnier with time. There's a small moment that I think the funniest part, maybe aside from the uh, Crying Monkey Award, is um, Toby Maguire. There's two monks standing there, and Toby Maguire just moves his hand over a little bit and starts fondling the rosary of uh, Kirk Lazarus, and, yeah. and they look like they're both in ecstasy when he touches his rosary. It is a pretty amazing. Um, this is the closest thing moving on on here to kind of an SNL type of parody sort of um, because of the the nature of the movie UHF featuring Weird Al Yankovic. That's the first actor's name that I did not need you to step in and tell me today. Um, we just watched this recently. Did you watch the whole thing or did, I think maybe I think I got about two thirds of the way through um, not not out of um, a wish not to see it. I think I just fell asleep, which is pretty much my M.O. Um, I had never seen UHF before, if you can believe it. Oh, so you still haven't seen the whole thing. I guess I still haven't seen the whole thing. I mean, it's that, I mean, it's that super broad comedy, almost, you know, very slapsticky at times and definitely a product of its time as well. Very corny. But I mean, come on, if Weird Al was going to make a new movie today, it would still be the same style. Super, super corny. Uh, the plot of the movie, if you've never seen it, um, is Weird Al Yankovic, whatever his character's name is. I think it might even just be Al or weird. Just keep it simple. Or Yanko or something. I don't know. Um, He somehow takes over a UHF TV station with no experience, and he's the new general manager, and he starts running it. So obviously, it's a movie about the media, and so there are some commercials sprinkled in, or at least one. This is for Spatula City. Spatula City. 
Daddy, where's the spatula? Okay, kids, let's go. There's just one place to go for all your spatula needs. Spatula City! A giant warehouse of spatulas for every occasion. Thousands to choose from in every shape, size, and color. And because we eliminate the middleman, we can sell all our spatulas factory direct to you. <laughs> Where do you go when you want to buy name brand spatulas at a fraction of retail cost? Spatula City! And this weekend only, take advantage of our special liquidation sale. Buy nine spatulas, get the tenth one for just one penny. Don't forget, they make great Christmas presents. And what better way to say I love you than with the gift of a spatula? Spatula City! Hello, this is Cy Greenbloom, president of Spatula City. I like their spatulas so much, I bought the company. Spatula City, seven locations. We're in the yellow pages under spatulas. My, where did you get that lovely spatula? I know this This is probably a little blue for this podcast, but yeah. that reminds me so much of the Cock Rings commercial from, from Mr. Show. I almost pulled it up, but we're kind of like, we're mostly not doing TV stuff. We're doing film stuff. But um, now, now I'm typing this into Google. If I just hit go on this, do you think, what, how do you think that'll affect my, uh, oh. my targeted advertising? Uh, negatively. <laughs> Um, yeah, if you haven't seen Mr. Show, uh, it's a fantastic sketch show from the 90s, uh, David Cross, Bob Odenkirk, and uh, they do this great, uh, they, they did all kinds of parodies yeah. and, and satire. They're a great trope. Yeah, they, they made fun of, fun of all kinds of tropes, and they did a great ad that was kind of similar to that, like this low-budget, sort of local, um, needlessly large warehouse for a product that does not require... Thousands and thousands of options to choose from. <laughs> and they just nail, like, the production value and everything. I called it up here. Let's just play right. it. All Put- right. Ear- earmuffs, kids. <laughs> yes, exactly what I was going to say. This year, the winter storms have left us overstocked and up to our necks in cock rings. At Cockring Warehouse, we've got the largest selection of new and used cock rings in the tri-state area. Over three miles of cock rings. Stainless steel... Bronze, leather, mahogany, sandalwood, and even stained glass. And all the latest styles, including the Dillinger, Pheasant Under Glass, the Brat, and Old Ironside. So follow this little guy. To Route 59, just south of Santa's Village for cock rings, cock rings, cock rings. And this season, remember the poor. Dust off your old cock rings and cock your warehouse and pass them on to needy families at no cost. I think, I think so, it ends there and then it bleeds into a skit. Sometimes Andrew and I will just say to each other, Pheasant under glass, <laughs> the Dillinger. <laughs> old Ironside. So yeah, we're breaking out. We said we, said we weren't doing any rules, sketches. Rules, <laughs> rules. Um, I'm going to come back to uh, Weird Al Yankovic in a second because... Uh, there's something about this next one I'm going to play for you that had me thinking about a conversation we had uh, this weekend. It was a real – boy, we've really been delving deep into our Weird Al lately. We yes. About a week ago, you and I were at home. We just watched part of UHF. And then we had some friends over the other day. And it was late at night. We just somehow got on a like YouTube binge-watching of every like Weird Al video ever. Um, before we get to that, though, let's talk about the, the movie Back to School, which honestly, the Rodney Dangerfield movie, I don't know if I've ever – 
Another Seen Robert Downey all- Jr. joint. Oh, a young, very R-D-J. young R.D.J. R.D.J. Huh? I wouldn't have made. Have of, you seen uh, this movie all the way through? Role. Oh, many times. See, this is a movie that I've just seen. Kind of, you know, it, it comes on TV. I've seen bits and pieces. Maybe I've seen the whole movie in its entirety, just out of order over the course of my life. Um, but it's like a solid uh, entry in its particular genre. The Rodney Dangerfield genre. Well, yes, but I mean, you know, there was a there was a sort of a. a slapsticky TNA type kind of, of body, comedy yeah. kind of body 80s comedy yeah. and I think this is a again you know it does fine in that pantheon you can't hold it up against you know a quality movie I'm not exactly sure what goes on in this movie I don't know if it necessarily matters but it uh, truly does <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield's character is clearly a businessman and um, he has this commercial that he stars in I'll just tell you, I'll put it this way okay it all comes down to there, it's it all hangs in the balance when one main character is or is not going to make a high dive. Oh, you know what? I have seen this all the way. I, I remember like, I tried to rectify my cultural <laughs> blind spot a couple of years ago, and I did watch this all the way through. That's right. It is a. It is to me the dumbest. I guess MacGuffin's the wrong thing, but it's like the dumbest sort of like big game example that there is, and I think intentionally so. Like high dives like why not just make it like curling sounds like somebody's never seen over the top yeah well starring it's, one it's, sylvester it's stallone second only to, to over the top <laughs> in terms of dumbest big games where an arm wrestling champion has to arm wrestle for both his truck and only means of income and custody over his beloved child but anyway back to back to school and here's an ad for melons tall and fat hi there are you a large person, pleasantly plump, a little on a hefty side, perhaps? Well, let's face it. Are you fat? When you go jogging, do you leave potholes? When you make love, do you have to give directions? At the zoo, do elephants throw you peanuts? Do you look at a menu and say, okay? Well, now you can eat all you want. Because at Thornton Mellon's tall and fat stores, we've got you covered. That's right, fine woolen. And woolen blends suits and sport coats in all the larger sizes. Husky, stop, extra stuff. At the new Hindenburg line. And for you ladies, we have caftans, moo-moos, and our own exclusive A-frame in all colors and patterns. Yes, we have miles and miles of fabric. So take it from me, Thornton Mellon. If you want to look thin, you hang out with fat people. So that, listen, I, I don't need to, like, get on some sort of high horse to tell you why Rodney Dangerfield's type of humor does not necessarily fly with me or fly in this day and age. But it is funny to watch this now. You know, the movie's old, right? It's the 80s. So I guess we're talking 30 years. A lot changes in 30 years. I guess I'm just, I've become such a... PC trooper or whatever. I watched this. And you took like, some heat for it in Ad Council. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to get to that. <sighs> um, did a lot of people write in to say how great your quizzes are and how awful my quizzes are? Actually, nobody wrote in to say how great my quizzes. Hey, was. guys, come on. It's my yeah. girlfriend. Send her a note. Tell her how great her quizzes are. Um, but you could also send us a note telling her how great mine are as well. Anyway, I'm off point. I watch this. I'm kind of like, oh, it makes me wince a little bit. Like, yeah, it's Rodney Dangerfield doing a bunch of fat jokes. And in the 80s, we did a bunch of fat jokes. The reason this comes back to Weird Al really quickly is we were on our Weird Al Yankovic video binge two nights ago. And we love the video and song Fat, right? Yeah. You know, Michael honestly, Jackson's bad. It kind of holds up. It's hilarious. But I'm watching. And I'm like, guys, this is not okay, really. I'm, I'm not to be. I mean, I'm, I'm sure 
I'll bet you the majority of our audience actually thinks I'm being overly sensitive about it. But, like, I don't know. Like, there's just a lot of people in, who are, like, activists and thinkers who are just kind of, like, saying, we need to live in a society. So you're saying, like, if Lindy West had been in the room, you would have been like, uh, let's Exactly. Because she does so much writing about, like, you know, body image and, you know, not making people feel ashamed. And, like, yeah, in the 80s, we made jokes about this. We made jokes about retarded people. We used the F word like crazy when describing gay people. And it's just kind of like, oh, that was just kind of the culture then but like i don't know am i being overly sensitive i don't know um i will tell you that as a preview to our um our ad council that you know our our desire to be sensitive about that infinity ad uh different which kind of uh conflated coming out to your dad mm -hmm. with uh admitting to your dad that you're getting a different kind of luxury car we basically the the basically people felt like we were probably being a little oversensitive, but that it's kind of a good thing to yeah. to maybe err on the side of sensitivity. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably where I would come down on uh, either this uh, this Ronnie Dangerfield bit or or the uh, Weird Al Yankovic fat video. Mm -hmm. Having said that, I think we can enjoy them sort of provisionally. I don't mean to... Uh, you mean we can enjoy them because they were part of the past and we can enjoy them now? Like, would you be cool if some, like, parody um, comedian came out with, like, fat today? I think it would take a lot more heat today. It would also just be... It would. It just would feel sort of, like, tone deaf. It wouldn't be as funny. Um, you know, I, what I find more offensive than the fat video, honestly, is the way they uh, treated Monica on Friends. I don't know if you've ever, you probably mm -hmm. haven't watched all of Friends like I I've did. Very little Friends. But uh, it's a running joke on that show, or it was a running joke on that show, that uh, Courtney Cox, who is, of course, a very thin, very beautiful woman, was a very, very fat teenager and young woman. That like, rings a bell, actually. And they would stick Courtney Cox in a fat suit every time they wanted to get some cheap laughs. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. I thought they just referenced back to it. And oh. now, now going back and watching that, I really wince. Like, it's it's not it's not the way, like, you when you watch the fat video, the fat suit is sort of the joke, but it's more about how, it's more about the lyrics and kind of the, 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 the fat suit is like a prop mm -hmm. for a joke that's being made that's more written. Mm -hmm. When you watch Friends and you watch Courtney Cox in the fat suit, the only joke is like, isn't this disgusting? Can you imagine oh, yeah. this beautiful woman as a disgusting fat person? And it, really, I find it very unpleasant to watch in a way that I just viscerally don't have that reaction to the Weird Al video. Well, the, the Rodney Dangerfield commercial that we just played and... To a lesser extent, the 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 video and, and song for Fat by Weird Al Yankovic, it's basically just a collection of, of fat jokes, kind of classic 80s fat jokes. Like, you know, I'm surprised that he didn't have in his uh, in his fat and tall store ad or whatever it just was. Like, when you sit around the house, you really sit around the house. You know, just kind of that, that cadence and style. And I think that might even be a joke in the Weird Al Yankovic song. Anyway, um, you know, that's just... That's punching down, to use the, the phrase that we were talking about last week a little bit, as opposed to, and this is a good segue, I didn't even, I didn't even mean to butt these up against each other, but this is a good segue into another group of ads I want to talk about. Uh, the show Breaking Bad, when it was on the air, and before we knew that uh, Better Call Saul would be a, a spinoff of that show, if you don't know, Saul Goodman is a character in Breaking Bad, he plays a lawyer, and um, he was kind of comic relief in Breaking Bad. Um, well, long before we knew that Better Call Saul would be a spinoff of that, AMC did these little web features that were, and they made a whole bunch of them. They were Better Call Saul advertisements. 
advertisements for this this fictional lawyer on Breaking Bad. God bless you, AMC. You are killing it. Now, there's a bunch of them, and one of them is called Fatty Fat Fat. So this is kind of a commercial. I think they made these in 2011, but this is a commercial that kind of takes on the same issue, if we'll call it that. Uh, but I feel like the joke is on somebody else. Are you or someone you love 50, 100, or even 200 pounds overweight? Then you better call Saul. Have fast food restaurants tricked you into an unhealthy lifestyle with their ads, their dollar menus, and their colorful banners? I'm Saul Goodman, and I have the highest dollar per pound recovery ratio in Bernalillo County. Any trainer will tell you there's four ways to lose weight. Diet, exercise, the lap band, and a fat legal suit. Just listen to this guy. This is me before I called Saul. I was 300 pounds, I had lost my job, and I was impotent. This is me after the Saul Goodman plan. Thanks, Saul. So put down the muffins and pick up the phone. Just remember to take the fries out of your mouth before you call so we can understand what you're saying. You don't have to swallow injustice anymore. Call me, Saul Goodman, today. I don't know. I might be wrong, but I feel like obviously the joke there is on the lawyer, not on fat people, right? I don't know. I mean, it's a complicated thing. Like, particularly if you don't, I mean, it it all depends on context. I mean, we know Saul in that context because he's been on Breaking Bad and we know that he's sort of a total Philistine with no sacred cows and... Um, you know, just after the almighty dollar at any at mm-hmm. anyone's expense at any cost. Um, but I don't particularly. Although, so I also so I will say this: I don't think you're supposed to be rooting for Saul in that mm-hmm. exactly. He's supposed to look bad when he says things like "take those fries out of your mouth." He looks bad, but so do his clients. Yeah, that's true. His the client that you hear him say, "This was me before uh, I went to Saul, and this is me after." He's the same overweight guy dressed in, you know, overalls. He's a pretty sort of pathetic character. But in the after picture, he's holding two cartoon bags of cash. Right, right. Um, So I don't know. I mean, and honestly, like, I love Breaking Bad. I love Better Call Saul. That ad for me was kind of like, meh. Yeah. All right, well, let's play some... Let's get off that topic. Because if I was... I will be the first one to say, by the way, if I was making an argument there, it wasn't very cohesive. It's just kind of me thinking out loud a little bit about that. And maybe maybe I am wrong about that. I don't feel super. As a matter of fact, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about it more in the um, in the ad council. Of course we will. But that in Infinity ad, the more I think about that one, the more entrenched I become in my position on that. We'll see what people have to say. And then I will yell at them and I will shout them down. You don't like it? Get your own podcast. That's yeah. what I say. In the meantime, let's listen to another one of these uh, web features from uh, AMC. Oh, hello. I was just working on a multi-million dollar lawsuit for one of my clients. I know what you're thinking. Yeah, a lawsuit sounds good, Saul, but uh, who can I sue? Who can you sue? Try police departments, libraries, construction companies, school officials. Pheasant under glass, right? <laughs> All of his stuff has yes. the same. You can, it has this Bob Odenkirk. You see it. You see it in everything he's done, from the Tim and Eric stuff. Uh, to, yeah, this. I mean, yeah, Bob Odenkirk has a definite writing style. Right. Okay. Departments, libraries, construction companies, school officials, cleaning services, financial institutions, local and international, your neighbors, your family members, <laughs> your church, synagogue, or other religious institution, your employers, your employers' customers. <laughs> 
suppliers, <laughs> companies in other countries, companies that made the drugs that were turned into the drugs that you took. The possibilities are limitless. But Saul, how can I sue these people and institutions? I have no grounds. Do me a favor, let me answer that question in person. Better call Saul. Now that works for me. Yeah, That's hilarious. That, that one got you more. Okay, let me just play one more. Only because you haven't seen these. I'm just having fun uh, watching your reaction to them. This one, I think you just have to go with it. It says illegal tiger possession. This one's easy. So one day you hear a knock at the door. Suddenly the cops have your face down in the dirt. Turns out the meter reader came by and got himself a big surprise. Or the neighbor boy climbed the fence and Fluffy or Princess mauled the kid up pretty good. Here you are, facing three to five in an orange jumpsuit. Oh, no, you aren't. Better call Saul. Repeat this key phrase. That's not my tiger. Turns out <laughs> this defense is still a good offense. Where'd the tiger come from? The zoo. And you can bet we're going to sue the bars off of them. What were you doing buying 80 pounds of raw meat every week? Ever hear of the Atkins diet? And I'll help you get that tiger's furry ass to Texas ASAP, because guess what? Tigers are still legal in Texas. <laughs> I have fun doing this job. <laughs> One thing, you don't have to bring the tiger into my office. So, if a tiger's got you by the tail, legally speaking, better call Saul. Do you think they just turned Bob Odenkirk loose and let him <laughs> yeah. let him go? Like they gave him a premise and they were gave like, him some premise. Just yeah. just roll with it, and then yeah. they just pulled the best stuff because that he is just so great. I do I do think so. I think that last one. I don't know. That one was a little bit more. Um, I don't know. Hit or miss. This is a really. It felt very loose. Yes, this is a, a the stupidest complaint in the world. But in going through all of these commercials, the ones that were made for movies. But even especially the ones that were made specifically for the web, you're going to roll your eyes so hard at this. But it kind of drives me crazy that they just made them random lengths. Because I sort of feel like a parody, we know that commercials are either 30 seconds or a minute. Or in some cases, 15 seconds. Yeah. But like that one was like a minute and change or a minute and 15 or something. I know it's a small thing. And maybe it's because I've worked in radio my whole life. I'm just like... You're always, you've always got that clock in your yeah, head. Yeah, if you're going to do it, like do it. Don't just be like, oh, we're making this uh, commercial that supposedly airs on TV in the middle of Ghostbusters and it's a 42-second uh, commercial. Guess what? No, it's not. Well, your pedantry knows no bounds. <laughs> You're a lucky woman, Genevieve. All right, why don't you set up this next one? Because I don't know if I've ever seen Coming to America. Oh, well, I have seen it enough for both of us. Um, Coming to America, uh, for you poor souls who have not seen it, uh, it was an Eddie Murphy movie from the 80s. Um, he plays the uh, the pampered, uh, incredibly wealthy prince of a fictional African country. The king, his father, is played by James Earl Jones. Um, he and his like servant-slash-best-friend-slash-sparring partner... Um, oh my God, this is the podcast we always wanted to do where I just explain a movie to yes, you. Yes, I know. Um, he and his his friend, Arsenio, played by Arsenio Hall, decide they're going to... He, he's supposed to get married because he's like turned 21 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but before he gets married to a beautiful woman who's been picked out for him by and arranged by his parents, he says, I'm going to have one last shot at life, at living a, you know, an un... An unencumbered, unfamous, unroyal life. And they pack up and go to Queens, New York, because they don't know. They know that New York is a big city. They don't know that Queens isn't like, you know, the. They, they see the word queen, they assume it's fancy, right. basically. 
Queens, as it turns out, is not fancy. No, it's 1980s Queens, New York. 1980s Queens, New York is not fancy. Uh, They show up there. uh, They have a lot of hijinks. And he meets a sort of um, upper middle class girl from Queens that he falls in love. And it all it's all it's all works out after much hijinks. Okay, and now mistaken identity. And this is a good example of a commercial that isn't like none of the main characters or anything are in this commercial, right? It just sets the kind of scene yeah. of the era. Yeah. So this is place. a commercial for a, for a product called Soul Glow and it play the the product plays a small a minor role in the movie but not anything that's really super important to the plot. What it is is a commercial for Jerry Curl. Um and it's definitely a sort of comment on the uh, just the, the African-American hair styles of the time. In fact, a lot of the movie takes place in a barber shop, and these old-time barbers, I think most of whom are played by Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Um, by the way, I have definitely seen they, everything you've described. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know that. I know that. I know that. I, I have seen this movie. It's just been a really long time. So in this barbershop where he sort of like makes some friends with these old guys, um, he they kind of make fun of, of Jerry Curl, and they like, they like the more kind of like traditional uh, black hairstyles. So the Soul Glow commercial, there's not much to it. It's mostly just the song, but you should play it, and then I'll tell you something interesting about the song, that uh, about who wrote this song. So Genevieve, you're telling me that this is a movie about uh, a prince and heir to the throne in a made-up African country. Doesn't that sound like something else we just saw recently? As a matter of fact, you might have even made this joke while we were watching the movie. I probably did make this joke during civil during Captain America: Civil War. That's basically the the plot line of the character think, Black Panther. Sort of, yeah. I mean, I think I might have made a Prince of Lumumba joke, which I think is <laughs> I think that's the name of the fake. Uh, the fake country that Eddie Murphy is from. Uh, just a quick note on that song. Again, there's not too much to say about it. It's a commercial for uh, this very greasy-looking Jerry Curl product. Um, but it was that song was written by and created by a guy named Nile Rogers, who was like a disco hit machine. He was in that band Chic, and they did that that song Le Freak. Oh Le Freak. yeah, yeah. Say so Chic. Um, they had a, he, he helped create a bunch of Diana Ross hits. Um, he's just like, he was a monster of disco basically. And he recently tweeted, and this was covered, I think in vibe or something that, um, that that he that that soul glow thing is the thing he's most proud of. Really, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure tongue in cheek, <laughs> right, right, but right, like right. you know, it is kind of a it's, it, not. A, I wouldn't call it a jam, but it's just like it really gets stuck in your head. Ever since we said we were going to do this show about uh, fake commercials, mm-hmm. I've had the soul glow song just on repeat in my head. Okay, well, let's just do one more here from the movie. Zoolander. This is our second Ben Stiller movie that we're doing, by the way. Um, Zoolander is about a pretty kind of pathetic but famous. It's about a guy who's supermodel. very, 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 very extremely good. Looking. Exactly. Um, but he comes from a hardworking family, I think, in West Virginia, a coal miner family or something yeah. like that. And they don't understand what he does. He's like this kind of effete, just 
beauty queen yes, man. Yes, they are baffled by his career <laughs> trajectory. And so for some reason, he goes back to like coal miner country to visit his dad and brother, I think. Played it, by John Voight and, oh, uh, yeah. and Vince Vaughn. Oh my God, that's right. And uh, they're sitting at a bar, some dive bar where all the miners go to uh, to, to drink after work. And, and he's sitting there trying, I guess, to bro down with them to whatever degree he can even possibly do that. And then one of his commercials for a real for a real product sort of called Aveda <laughs> comes on the TV and it is him uh, and he is a merman floating in the water and you'll hear some extra audio in this because you see the the brother and I think some of the other coal miners just like kind of losing their shit when <laughs> they see Ben Stiller as a merman selling Aveda. Moisture is the essence of wetness. And wetness is the essence of beauty. <laughs> I guess that's it. I think he just swims off and the screen just says Aveda on yeah. it. And, and then, of the course, bar. the real... The real punchline in that scene is when his dad says, you're a damn mermaid. And he says, merman. <laughs> okay, we'll leave it there for now, but I'm sure there's a million we're missing. So I think this is perfect ad council territory, guys. Yeah, send them in. If anybody in the ad council can think of other examples of good commercials that are in movies, send them our way. It's after these messages show at gmail.com. For now, though, it's time to page Dr. Spaceman. Dr. Spaceman! Dr. Spaceman! Dr. Spaceman! Dr. Spaceman! <laughs> Genevieve, this was uh, kind of your discovery, or certainly your idea. You realize that, you know, Chris Parnell, like we said at the top of the show a.k.a. Dr. Spaceman, is in basically every commercial. He's not in every commercial, but his voice is in every commercial. I feel like I cannot turn the television on without hearing Chris Parnell. Part of it, I'll grant you, is that he also does a lot of voice work for shows that I like. So yes. he's in, I think he's... Archer. He's definitely in... He's huge in Archer. He's in... I think he's been in BoJack Horseman. Oh, yeah, probably. Um, I mean, he his, and he's he shows up in Bob's Burgers. Like, he's just one of those characters, one of those guys who's like in all of the animated... Uh, you know, comedy series right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also just does have one of those voices, and I think they must have discovered this in SNL, his SNL days, because if you go back to the SNL parody commercials, often the person who's doing the voiceover in those ads mm-hmm. is, is Chris. You can yeah, hear it, and now you can hear it's Chris Parnell. And he just has that that commercial voice. Mm-hmm. The kind of the, the voice. I wouldn't even say voice of authority because he doesn't have like this deep sort of voice of God thing going on. If anything, it's a it's little like bit nasal. Yeah, it's very approachable. Yeah. He sounds authoritative but approachable. And advertisers have really figured this out. And I guess his agent is like, you know, this guy will sell your product for you. Um, we found, and I, I will admit I did this search in like 15 minutes. We found... How many of it? Four total. Four total um, ads that are either currently playing or, or, and I should say not ads, but products, because some of these products he has done dozens oh, of ads yeah, for. yeah, yeah, But four separate products that he either, that are either playing now or have played pretty recently where he is the voice of, he's either the voiceover or the voice of an animated character in the in the commercial. Can we start with the obvious or recognizable one, which is the uh, progressive ads that he's in? Of course, when I think of progressive, I think most people 
are like me. They think of the flow campaign first, but they also have this progressive campaign going where there is a box, like a, I don't know, just a product. Like you're supposed to think like, oh, my insurance is inside of this box, basically. Right. Like you could go to the store. That's actually what started, if you don't mind me getting off topic for just a second here. In doing some reading today, I learned that like the very, very first flow ad was not set up to start a whole campaign where Flo was going to be this main character in a campaign. It was actually, the original concept was, well, of course, insurance isn't a product that you pull off of the shelf. But those early campaigns... Was well, they do, always, they do this, always show her in kind of like a uh, an imagined insurance sales store where right. like it's all kind of white shelves and you can pull things off the shelf. Yes, and now, of course, it's gotten so far from that. She's, you know, in a locker room talking to a kid doing a fake PSA or whatever it is. But those original ads were kind of like, well, they were called the Superstore ads. And she was just a checkout person. And they wanted the star of the ad to really be the store or the box. Now, the box wasn't an animated box at this point. It was just like this guy walks up to the cash register with a bunch of boxes full of his insurance, and she gives him more boxes to buy. Um, but then Flo ends up being a breakout hit. Did, well, they, now, did they address that that's just because Stephanie Courtney turned out to be awesome? I saw um, one of the people who wrote on it had a quote underneath like some video he posted saying, this is one of the first things I worked on. We ended up working with Courtney, and she ended up being amazing. But um, yeah, that wasn't supposed to be some huge Flo campaign. It was supposed to be, this is a, a, a box. We're putting the emphasis on the box. So anyway, um, now they've taken that box and they've animated it and they've given it a voice and they've made him, this character of the box, more aggressive than Flo is. The idea is they didn't want to make Flo naggy. They want to keep her kind of up and yeah, funny but he and is wacky. Unpleasant as a box. And they didn't want to give her those lines. So they've brought back, I think this was about 2014 or something, they brought back the idea of this box and voiced by Chris Parnell. And um, let's see, which one do we pick out here? The one where he's in the he's in the airport going through the TSA. Yeah, this one's been, I feel like, on a constant repeat. Sir, can you step aside? Sir? Come on, you know who I am. Progressive insurance. Uh, I save people an average of over $500 when they switch. Did you pack your own bags? Oh, right. The Name Your Price tool. It shows people policy options to help fit their budget. Crazy that a big shot like me would pack his own bags, right? <laughs> so, do I have the right to remain handsome? <laughs> Wait. Uh-oh. Yeah, I definitely think that they made the right decision to not give her the cocky lines. I, de I guess, but why they... I don't really like that box, and yeah. I don't really... It just is sort of background noise. There's another one, and I can't find it right now, where he's on a date with a woman. They're, like, outside of Try some cafe date. or something. Um, and uh, and he's, like, kind of talking about... He's making up some story about he how he invented the oh, name your yeah, price tool or something like that and then she's like i don't believe that he's like it's all true except for the part that i made up or something along the lines of and he's just like he's a very unpleasant character yeah i don't understand what they're going for with this but yeah. anyway i mean chris parnell's getting paid so that's good. yeah I, I do love chris parnell yeah. so okay so that was uh, my long-winded way of talking about progressive insurance which i clearly have an obsession with the the rest is up to you what do you want to go with next uh well this is the other one that's in heavy rotation uh and for which he has multiple multiple spots uh he is the voiceover for oscar meyer why don't you uh give this road trip one a play okay yeah if you don't mind i know i just said i'm super long-winded i'll try to keep this one shorter but i do think that needs a little bit of a setup this is part of the yes 
food campaign by Oscar Mayer. And you see a family in a whole bunch of these ads. And it's always the same family, by the way, same actors and everything. Um, and they set them up in a montage where the answer to everything is no. Like the father tries on skinny jeans. No. Um, were you just looking at that woman? No. Like he's saying no to everything. But then at the end of the commercial, it's like, yes to this Oscar Mayer food of whatever kind it is. In this particular one, it's a road trip. And so there's some visual gags in here. But basically, this is the family in the minivan, you know, on some sort of epic road trip. 12 bucks a night. No. They have water bags. Ew, no. Are we near a gas station? No. Is that from the minibar? No. Is that a cop? No. You know how fast you're going? No. 87. He's right. Is that Oscar Mayer? Yes. In a world filled with no, it's nice to finally say yes. Oscar Mayer selects deli meat, no artificial preservatives, and gluten-free. It's yes food. It's Oscar Mayer. I like how you can hear that he's doing sort of like a different kind of yeah. character there. He's like yeah. so cheerful. Yeah, yeah, as opposed to that obnoxious box. Sort of box. smarmy box. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so are you, those are the two that I've seen the most recently. So he's got the progressive campaign and the Oscar Mayer campaign happening at the same time. Um, but he is also the voice of uh, the Hamburger Helper Glove, which mm. I think we said would have to fight the oh, Pillsbury Doughboy. I think so, yeah. Or at least that's what some of our listeners said. Uh, why don't you give this next one a play? Uh, this is for Hamburger Helper, and a uh, a mom and her kids are driving through a fast food drive through and the Hamburger Helper Glove is in the back seat giving them some advice. Hi, can I take your order? Hello. <laughs> Come here often? Yeah. Why don't you try a home-cooked meal with yummy Hamburger Helper instead? Oh, ta-da! Fantastically tasty, huh? Mmm, that's good. It's so ridiculously easy to make. Even your husband can do it. <laughs> right? Can I have some? <laughs> See, the teenage eating machine certainly knows deliciousness when he sees it. <laughs> what would you guys like? Hamburger Helper. What? One pound, one pan, one tasty meal! Sir, it's a felony to harass the box. <laughs> it's a Simpsons joke. Um, you know what I kind of like about that commercial? I remember that, but I never paid that much attention to it. You see the hamburger helper glove, but it's portrayed where you can actually see somebody's wrist. It's like actually a puppet. Did you notice that? Oh, I didn't notice that. Here, no. watch again. Oh, yeah, you can see her hand, her wrist right back there. Mm, that's good. It's so ridiculously easy. Yeah, so this this hand is in the back seat. But and yet they it's like have the mouth a doing a CGI effect. Why it's a little bit weird. Why bother to have the, the arm? Maybe yeah. maybe they tried it without the arm and it was too creepy. Because it was like must have been just floating back there or something. Yeah. They could have made it big, like human size, but maybe that would be too scary. Yeah. Okay, anyway. So, so many questions. There, there you go. Chris Parnell just bought himself another beach house. What is the uh, last one we have here? So this one I think maybe uh, I have not seen it on TV for a while, and I I don't think it's still running, but it is a TD Ameritrade commercial, and I don't think he was the full-time spokesman for TD Ameritrade. I, I found a, a few uh, ads from this mm. general campaign, um, but in this one, he is the voice of a talking sheep that's having an interaction with a, a businessman. Okay, and according to this on YouTube, this was from um, uh, 2015, so yeah, pretty recent. Kind of recent, but I don't think it's airing now. At least I haven't seen it. That's the guy working late trying to do his stocks. You've been staring at that for a while, huh? Listen, TD Ameritrade has former floor traders to help walk you through that complex trade. So you'll be confident enough to do what you want. I'll pull up your number. <laughs> Blammo. Let's get those guys on the horn. So his sheep is just stomping on his <laughs> iPhone. Ooh. 
Looks like it is time to upgrade your phone, Douglas. For all the confidence you need, hmm. TD Ameritrade. That's funny, another kind of obnoxious character. Yeah. Huh, well, there, there it is. All right, let's check in with the Ad Council. Everybody's talking at me. I don't hear words saying. Only the echoes of my mind. All right, Genevieve, what is in the mailbag? I want to start with all the uh, response to our Infinity conversation. That's right, and I kind of teased this earlier, but uh, we got a, a number of letters from folks uh, responding to how we dealt with the Infinity commercial. We gave it a, I think, uh, a sort of a conditional chi, a conditional like. Uh, I didn't. Well, okay. So I liked it when I first saw it. And then I, you know, gave it another thought because one of our listeners, Jonathan, wrote in to say that he was sort of conflicted about it as a gay man, seeing it kind of trivialize or potentially trivialize um, somebody coming out to a conservative or disapproving family with uh, or comparing that to getting a different kind of luxury car. So we talked about it. I think I I kind of came out with came out uh, on the side of I still can understand how it's a funny, enjoyable commercial, but I'm sensitive to the fact that it might it might mm-hmm. be uh, off putting to somebody. You I think just straight up do not like it. Mm-hmm. Um, Jonathan wrote back uh, and said, "I really appreciated your thoughts on the show about the Infinity commercial. Uh, you did an excellent job of summing up how a great commercial, uh, like anything else, can still be problematic." Thanks. Um, He's talking to me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and he goes on, I certainly don't think anyone should feel guilty about liking the ad. He says, my husband does, and he's clearly not part of the straight cis establishment or conspiracy thereof, or at least that's what he wants me to think. <laughs> uh, it's a good commercial with a nice aesthetic, good writing, spot on performances, and is a refreshing change for a car commercial. I also think you're right that it's a definite positive sign that the person coming out is the hero of the ad. And that was mm, kind of the point that's interesting. I was trying to make. Uh, I think I think I personally just found the comparison bizarre and a little uncomfortable, Though I may just be overthinking it or maybe a little hypersensitive. You're not hypersensitive. You are entitled to your feelings, Jonathan. Uh, Certainly it does not seem to me that the intent of the ad was to make fun of LGBT plus people or those whose family problems extend beyond whether the father approves of which mid-range luxury car their midlife crisis takes the form of. So I think that one, I think I I would say that the general, and most of our feedback was kind of along these lines, like, don't over or you know don't don't worry about it. It's okay to like the ad, but it's not it's not a terrible thing to think about it. Yeah, right. And that's kind of how I that that's where I land on all these things. I know I'm I'm especially like going back to what we we're talking about, like the the fat parodies and fat jokes earlier today. Like I'm I'm also a little bit burned out right now, so I made even less of a coherent argument there. But I would say that I just do kind of err on the side of like, well, do we really need it? Is it really like sh- let's just think about it from all angles? Well, this is from listener Randy who writes. Uh, hey, Mr. Captain Unfunny, don't be so hard on yourselves about the gay PC crap. I've been doing the gay thing for all of my life, and that car commercial for Infinity is so non-offensive. However, I do totally appreciate your sensitivity. So that was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's never fun to come out on Thanksgiving, but nobody dies. You guys totally got the spoof of the luxury brands. The gays weren't really the butt of the joke. On a side, I worked for a huge ad agency here in New York City for a little uh, spate of time. My creative director, a friend, would always run gay-themed stuff by me to gauge whether it was offensive or whatever, and it never was. So maybe you're uh, – hey, Randy, maybe you're <laughs> – your offensive meter has yeah. turned a, a little low. <laughs> no. Uh, but he says it's, it is really hard to offend me, so keep doing what you're doing. See, the, but th- see that I compl- – like as from an organizational standpoint, like 
that's good. You don't want to treat somebody, whether maybe they're one of the only African-Americans in the office or one of the only gay people in the office or whatever it is. Like, you don't want to make people like and be like, you speak on behalf of everybody in this minority group. So I understand why that would be maybe a tricky conversation to have in an office place or make somebody like the arbiter of that. Having said that, this is exactly a great argument for why it's good to have diverse workplaces. Just somebody there who can be like, by the way, I'm not saying you're racist, but given the way you grew up, you don't kind of hear yeah. how this is landing on my community's ears or whatever that That's community right. may or may not be. Uh, one more, and this is from listener Scott, who says, my take as a gay guy on the audio of the Infinity coming out commercial is the not that different line at the end saved oh. it for me. It was funny enough to make it clear that it was a total satire and that the point was lampooning stodgy family traditions rather than saying... Uh, going for the infinity is as hard as coming out. That's interesting. I don't that see that line to me. I didn't even remember it. That's interesting. Yeah, it didn't stand out to me either, but it, it worked for Scott. Um, he goes on, I also grew up in a very conservative, he's, these are his bona fides. I grew up in a very conservative environment at my evangelical high school. We thought it was possible that the Catholics across the street at Walsh Jesuit would get into heaven, but only if they disbelieved most Catholic doctrine. Oh, I went to Walsh Jesuit for I one know. year. What do you know? What do you know? Um, and oh, Scott had another note that's unrelated, but I wanted to bring it up, which is that um, after our cider conversation, and I got I got some shout outs for my big dick cider joke, by the way. I forget oh, I where. don't remember what your joke was. Uh, just that that's the only cider I drink because it's the only one that was tough enough. Oh, right. Um, he says, I bought a cider last week at happy hour only due to hearing your show mention cider commercials. I don't know all the specifics about how product tie-ins work, but I'm pretty sure they have to give you booze if you forward them this message. Yeah, that's my understanding. So of it, if yeah. you, um, Scott, if you would just let us know which brand we should be sending this message to, we will get our free cider. Thank you, Scott. Yes. Okay, moving on from the Infinity uh, uh, discussion. Uh, this is from listener Dave, and he just writes, I was student teaching a sixth grade class in the mid-80s when my buddy was big. You remember we my talked about it? Yes, thank you. Uh, one of the subjects the class covered was mitosis. Whenever that came up, some of the kids would sing, Mitosis, <laughs> mitosis, mitosis and me. Mitosis is when cells clump together oh please don't test me on this oh i it thought was... you were gonna make fun of me <laughs> wait let's just see how close i am this is gonna be very embarrassing uh for me mitosis is nuclear division so not the other thing okay oh, but it was I, it has to do with cells well yeah <laughs> so that's good <laughs> okay moving on <laughs> do you want to get out of here let's get out of here sure why not end on a solid note you can sell anything. You can sell anything. All right, guys, we got through it. You got through it. Just fast forward through the parts where I talk a lot. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget, we are going to post links to all of the commercials we talked about today, including all the fake ones, of course, on our Facebook pages after these messages show on Facebook. And that's also our email address. That's right. After these messages show at Gmail and our phone number. For those voicemails that none of you are sending in. Don't, don't wait. Don't let them get a whiff of desperation. Uh, is 
All right, this is a good test here because it's like more than a win. Yeah, no, like my my approach is people want to people want to join a winning team, guys. We have so many voicemails we didn't even know where to start with them today, so we didn't play any. But join the fun. Call 607-444-5597. Now let's hear yours again. 607-444-5597. Guys, you're making Genevieve cry. We're lonely people. <laughs> Leave us a voicemail. We will talk to you all next Tuesday. Karachi posse's Aussie's poppy. Uh, red octagons couldn't stop me. I burn headband. My eyes all droopy. I have gooey foodies. Zoobies in my poopy. They all like, well, he-